Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Matters Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm unfortunately not joined by my co-host, Jaron, today as he is unable to attend. But nonetheless, we're going to be getting into the Mavericks' last game before the All-Star break in which they lost to the Denver Nuggets 118-109. to This was a game where the Mavericks were pretty severely injury-riddled. They were without Kyrie Irving, who was first listed as probable, then downgraded to questionable. Later in the day, then right before game time, was downgraded to out with lower back tightness. They were without Davis Bertans with a left calf strain. They were still without Tim Hardaway Jr. with that right hamstring tightness. And they were, of course, also without Maxi Kleber, who is on the fast track to making his return right after the All-Star break, supposedly, you know, per him and head coach Jason Kidd. But nonetheless, this was probably the last game that he was out. So he was still out with that right hamstring tear, of course. And on top of that, Reggie Bullock and Christian Wood were both what listed as questionable with non-COVID illnesses, but they did end up playing, fortunately enough, for the Mavericks. But nonetheless, um, this was a pretty big de- defensive disaster from the Mavericks um, in totality, if we're just being quite honest here. This was definitely one of those head-scratching losses that, you know, your sanity is it, – it's, it's under fire after a game like this, just due to the fact – and the manner of which the Mavericks lost this one. They, they simply never had control throughout this whole game. The final score is definitely deceiving. In fact, that the Mavericks only lost by nine. It was for most of the game, a pretty more sizable lead for the Nuggets. You know, they were up by double digits. They were up by, I think at least 20 at one point. And, you know, the Mavericks off ball switching really got exposed to a premium in this one, just due to, the, the excellent passer that Nikola Jokic is and his ability to operate out of the high post and, you know, really having to keep your head in a swivel, especially once the Mavericks double teaming of him started to, um, you know, he, he was able to dissect that shortly after the first quarter where he seemed to kind of get off to a slow start, you know, that, that in tandem with nobody outside of Luca and Christian Wood, when he came off the bench, really being able to provide an offensive jolt, Definitely threw the Mavericks in for a loop in this one. And obviously, ultimately, you know, coupled up to have a sort of recipe for a loss. And on top of that, there were still some sort of questionable decisions in terms of the rotation by Jason Kidd that we'll be getting into. There's a few different narratives to go into in this one. It's obviously sucks to go into the all-star break with a sour taste. It's not a taste that you want in your mouth as a Mavericks fan. But nonetheless, I think if anything, we can also look at it as a positive, just the fact that this team's going to have the ability to recoup and, you know, get some pieces together. Maybe there's another move to be made in the buyout market. Justin Holiday was just recently signed, of course. Actually, today, the signing was made official after he was heavily rumored to be in play for the Mavericks after having got bought out with the Houston Rockets. And he was promised to play before before the game, to the media at least, by head coach Jason Kidd. He did not see the floor tonight. So, obviously, some sort of interesting narratives to get into regarding that, of course, as well. And 
the game itself and, you know, just the direction of this team heading into the all-star break. We'll have a one or two pods over the next two days, you know, more specifically looking at some big picture overarching things in terms of this team ceiling as they, you know, come to a, a downwind of the season and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, today we're just going to be focusing really on this Nuggets game and how the sort of vibe is around this team as we head into the all-star break and, you know, what things might look like when they come out. But before we do that, of course, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, so getting into it, guys, I think this story of this game sort of starts and finishes with the fact that the Mavericks didn't have any starters outside of Luka Doncic scoring in double figures figures whatsoever. Luka Doncic had 37 points tonight. Reggie Bullock had three. Dwight Powell had eight. Frank Nitlikina had four. And Josh Green had six. So the Mavericks were just having a really tough time furbishing any, any sort of offense outside of Luka tonight. And that's really emblematic of – um, you know, if you start kind of breaking this game down quarter by quarter and you just see the trends of the game, um, it, it speaks for itself in terms of how the Mavericks offense was a complete stalemate with Luka out of the game. So in the first quarter, the Mavericks kind of kept pace with the Nuggets to a degree, uh, really just virtue of Luka shot making. He was doing a great job probing on those pick and rolls, um, using his body to crab and get to the rim and finish over the top of guys. You know, he was making some of his step backs tonight. So the Mavericks in that first quarter um, were only down 25 to 26. And then those non-Luka minutes killed them in the second. And, you know, they essentially kind of split the ball handling duties between Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, Frank Nilekina, and McKinley Wright. And sometimes those guys step up to the plate and they're able to supplement um, you know, especially in the game, of course, when you're missing Kyrie Irving, you do that trade just so you can go get that secondary ball handler. His presence was, you know, sorely missed tonight. You could you could see all the ripple effects of him being out tonight. Uh, just the general flow and the vibe of things definitely being down to an extent. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, come that second quarter, of course, in those non-Luka minutes, uh, the Mavericks lost by a pretty – um, outstanding margin, I believe. I don't know exactly what it was, but they ended up losing the quarter as a whole, 19 to 35. And, you know, keep in mind, this was in a half. I believe that Nikola Jokic honestly didn't even have that crazy of a scoring game, but he ended up finishing with a triple double in this one. He he really wasn't looking for his own offense a whole lot. He, he went six for nine, I think, up until that point in that second quarter, he may have had maybe two, four points. I mean, most of these points that were being generated for the Nuggets, you know, was typically Jokic working out of the high post, you know, them them running off-ball actions, staggers to get those shooters open, obviously running, you know, a lot of sort of, you know, split wedge actions to get those cutters, you know, in sync and going to the rim. And, you know, a few guys that were benefactors of that, were you know, Blocko Conchar, Jeff Green. They were just doing a great job um, catching the Mavericks defense off guard when the Nuggets would, you know, run those sort of wedge actions and they were able to get into the defense. And uh, Jokic was, you know, delivers those pinpoint passes up with that seven foot frame and Mavericks defenders were left in the dust. Um, the off ball defense as well as the on ball defense was, you know, even though the Nuggets only scored 118, and that's not considered insanely crazy in the modern NBA, I would say this was definitely one of the more 
terrible defensive games for the Mavericks this year, especially since, uh, you know, it, it did come down at the end. You know, those last six to eight minutes were fairly sort of garbage minutes to an extent, even though the Nuggets were keeping a lot of their starters out there. So from that perspective, you know, had they just went full throttle the whole time, you know, I, who knows what would have happened. But they looked like they were a team that was just tailor-made to – deal with any sort of defensive counter in front of them and the, i mean credit to the mavericks they really didn't have many defensive counters uh set in place for them i mean just personnel wise right so you know get done with the first half luke is able to sort of bring the tide back and the mavericks only lose that third quarter 30 to 31 and you know when i was talking about the final score in the intro sort of being deceiving this is kind of kind of what i meant by that because the mavericks only end up losing the game by nine and they ended up winning the last quarter 35 to 26 they actually were able to generate some sort of semblance of an offense and you know they sort of had a last ditch spirited effort that was a little bit too late uh late that was kind of um in those non-luka minutes being you know they were sort of riding the coattails of christian wood and him having some positive shooting regression after you know sort of rocky start and he really started to look for his own offense and it started to come into fruition for him. And that was able to sort of right the ship for the Mavericks, but it, that 118 and 109 score is definitely not emblematic of uh, the game as a whole. The Mavericks did win that last quarter, 35 to 26, but it was very deceptive. They obviously, you know, really, even in that fourth quarter for the first like six ish minutes, we're not playing up to par of the Nuggets really until the Nuggets, you know, like I said, let their third off the let their foot off the throttle. Guys like McKinley Wright were able to sort of get going, things of that nature. But barring that, I guess we'll go ahead and segue into you know the actual encore product and how guys did tonight. Now that we've kind of went through the sort of trends of the game, um, but you know, as I had alluded to with Luca, as I was going on my sort of spiel there. He had a pretty good, I mean, a really good offensive game for that matter. I, I think there was a sort of identification from him there that the Mavericks role players were not necessarily in the, you know, in, they didn't really have their full complements of role players tonight. So they really weren't in the best position to be able um, to help him out offensively as much as they normally would and, you know, alleviate that sort of stress, you know, particularly with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kyrie, of course. You know, even Tim Hardaway Jr., he does provide some offensive creation, you know, even if he doesn't have that ball handling necessarily. He is a, you know, guy who can shoot off the dribble in spurts, of course. He is a guy that attracts a lot of gravity just due to, you know, the track record of how good he shoots. So his absence was, you know, duly noted as well as Kyrie's, of course. I, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. So I, I think Luca definitely, you know, you could see that there was a clear identification by him to take a little more of the offensive load for himself tonight. And I mean, to his credit, he went 12 for 22, three for eight from three, 10 for 12 from the free throw line. I mean, the dude was pouring it in. He played 35 minutes. And, you know, as I alluded to, the offense definitely came to a stalemate when he was out. But when he was in, you know, Luca was doing a really good job in those post-up scenarios. He was, his mid-range fadeaway game was on, was, you know, it was on target tonight, as well as, you know, he went three for eight on threes. That's a solid percentage there. Uh, you'd much rather that than some of those, you know, one for nine nights that he has. That's almost 50%. You take that. He was getting to the line at will. 
I thought in this game in particular, you know, he really, he even had like two steals that were both off ball steals. He's been getting kind of good at that recently. Just, you know, being savvy, being the sort of just basketball proctor that he is and being able to diagnose things on the fly, his intangibles are off the chart and that's how he's able to, you know, you see him sort of just almost like in a whiplash effect, just kind of whip his head and get some of these steals um, in transition for easy baskets. And that's been a sort of revelation over the last few games for, for us to start seeing that from him. We, you know, he, of course he, Oh yeah. He actually had four steals tonight. That's, that's my mistake. Yeah. Um, But he obviously, you know, averages about one or two steals a game, whatever it is, but you know, to the degree that he has the last few games, he's really just been really savvy off ball. Now, this obviously comes with a certain risk reward there because he's also taking a lot of gambles and getting beat a lot of the times when, and that's coming to the Mavericks detriment. So, you know, the, the narratives about his defense we'll, we'll sort of get into later, of course, but I did want to highlight his off ball defense. He was doing a good job with that. And he, he in the pick and roll amidst uh, Maverick, you know, especially they didn't run Christian Wood with him a lot tonight. So he didn't have to, the sort of wherewithal to really open things up for him. I, I just thought he did a really good job. And when the opportunities presented itself at splitting double teams, you know, probing and snaking on those pick and rolls and, you know, crabbing, getting the guy behind him. He, he was just really diagnostic in that sense. And he really sort of dissected the Nuggets defense, defense to an absolute T uh, throughout stretches, especially in that first and third quarter. You know, Luca was on uh, with his shot, with his mid-range, um, with his ability, his you know, obviously his ability to get to the basket. I wouldn't even say that he's driving to the basket because with Luca, it's a process. It's like, you know, all the different sort of steps that he goes in terms of goes through in terms of probing in the pick and roll, and whatnot. It's a process to get to the basket, but he gets there and you know he's able to shoot at the top of guys and use that post position and um, you know savvy ability when he's you know, gets to the basket to, you know, be very timely and to prompt and ones, things of that nature. So excellent game from him. You know, there obviously are some bouts in terms of the defensive end that I'll get to in a little bit, but nonetheless, he, he basically systematically carried the Mavericks offense tonight. And I don't think that's really even debatable. In in other uh, Mavericks dome, of course, we have some of the other guys that were in the starting lineup that, in my opinion, all played fairly abysmal in this one. The first guys that I sort of looked to because they were going to need to really throw in a haymaker for the Mavericks to have a chance in this one. One of these guys, his implementation into the starting lineup was questionable, to say the least, and that was Frank Nilekina. He went over four on threes tonight. He made a little mid-range turnaround jump shot and Honestly, I can't even remember how he had his second basket. I think it was a layup or something of that nature. But nonetheless, Frank, my main gripe with him tonight was his off-ball defense. He was guarding Contavious Caldwell-Pope throughout large stretches of this game. And he was just somehow, for whatever reason, despite you know having this label as a good defender, he was just ill-equipped to be able to rotate tonight. And he was he was getting beat off of screens on countless occasions and Caldwell Pope. He was the benefactor of, you know, going three, three for six from the three point line tonight. At least I feel like one or two of those were from Frank, 
just not rotating and not being in position and giving him an open look. Michael Porter Jr. is also a guy that Frank was matched up on that got a few open threes. I don't know. You know, you have to understand with the Nuggets, they run like a lot of staggers or off ball action with some of these wings. And Jokic is looking at every turn or direction to try and get these guys the ball in space. They'll run a lot of sort of misdirection stuff for these guys to get open. And you just got to have your head on a swivel as a defender. And I mean, Frank's obviously has a track record, track record of being a really good on ball defender. But for whatever reason, he was just not able to, you know, consolidate and be a good off-ball defender tonight as well. That that hurt the Mavericks, of course, at the point of attack. And when he is a net negative defensively, he's effectively a net negative overall because he's typically not providing a whole lot offensively unless it's one of those weird games where Frank taps into that sort of pseudo ball hand or roll and all of a sudden, you know, you see a few pick and rolls materialize into some layups. This was definitely not one of those games. Um, even despite the Nuggets being without Aaron Gordon and without Jamal Murray in this one. I forgot to mention at the top of the podcast, but they were depleted as well. So it wasn't like the Mavericks were just totally home free and have every excuse in the world that definitely should not have been neglected by me. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, Frank, he went over four in his threes tonight. They were like all catch and shoot wide open threes. And he he just really wasn't providing much of anything. So that, that was a rough sort of endeavor in itself. The fact that, you know, you're at least helping, hoping that you can get some really good point of attack defense out of him. If he's going to start in place of, you know, some of the injured Mavericks tonight, we can obviously debate who should have started if, you know, they should have threw Hardy a bone, gave him some more minutes, things of that nature, or even, I don't really know who all is clamoring for Theo Penson to start. That's a whole other, another beast that we'll get into, but. Nonetheless, Frank was the guy that they called upon, and he was a he was just a net negative in the starting lineup, in my opinion. Segwaying to Josh Green, this is a guy who's obviously we've talked extensively in regards to how good he's played recently and his ascension to being able to alleviate ball handler duties as well as be obviously, you know, some would de- debate Maxi. You know, I would say at least he's got to be in the conversation as the best defender on the team, at least one of them. His foot speeds off the charts. He stays in front of guys. His strength has improved. But, you know, I don't know what it's been the last two games, but Josh has just been kind of off. We have to recognize this, that he has been off kilter. Even last game, you know, his defense wasn't necessarily there, and we kind of alluded to that. And today it, you know, I – I wouldn't say that the intensity isn't there because I still think it is, but he's just getting beat on ball a little bit more for whatever reason. And he he was a little lackluster on some of his rotations tonight. Now, admittedly, you know, some of these guys keep up with the nuggets or there's some, they got some pretty stout guys up there. You know, you're looking at a Bruce Brown. This is a guy who, you know, can provide some tertiary ball handling is a really strong finisher, you know, can stretch the floor as well. And he kind of struggled with him, you, you know, running around MPJ, that that's always kind of hard because he's like a six foot ten Clay Thompson without the um, actual shooting percentage of Clay Thompson, just more streaky. But in terms of the way he plays, I mean, that that's kind of a tough guard. And you know, you can give Josh sort of every defense in the book, but it's just kind of been a rough two game stretch for him. The passing has looked a little more forced. He's been a lot more hesitant on some of his his takes. He actually shot the third most attempts on the team tonight, but 
he seemingly passed up a lot of open threes. You know, you do kind of just want him to let it fly. Even if he's going through struggles, things of that nature, you just want to see the guy shoot because that that's what's made him so good is him not having that hesitancy. He even made one tonight where he hesitated a little bit, but he went two for five from three. Those were his only two buckets in the night. But, you know, to my point about the the turnovers, he had three of them tonight. He He does just seem a little more clunky in those pick and roll scenarios. And, you know, when he's a, attacking off a closeout for that matter, he just doesn't seem as controlled as he was. You know, I always have talked about this guy as sort of being a controlled chaos and his ability to, you know, be running like a hundred thousand miles an hour, like the Tasmanian devil and seemingly break down, you know, either get a jump stop, do something before he gets to the rim and he's able to finish over the top of guys. These this last game or two, it's definitely reverted back to some of that just sort of chaotic bad that he was, you know, his rookie and second year in the league. I, I don't know what reason it is for him. You know, everybody goes through slumps and deals with things. Josh has just kind of looked like a shell of himself. You know, I, I do think there's credence to the fact that, you know, with Tim out there and Kyrie out there together, that does open up things for him offensively um, because, you know, guys got to stay home and help a little more on those shooters and those other ball handlers it definitely exposes some driving lanes for Josh to be able to take advantage of things of that nature. But I, I'm not just going to sweep under a rug that he has had a pretty bad last game or two, but I don't think this is going to be a perpetual state of things. I think Josh will swing back into full effect. Cause I mean, he, over the last five games, right before this, he was averaging like 17 or 18 points, like four or five assists a game, you know, a few rebounds. I mean, he was playing off the charts on both sides of the ball, man, particularly the playmaking, that was a, a sort of new level that we'd seen tap into, you know, his ability to, you know, drive really hard to the basket, be able to kick it out to the perimeter or wrap it around to, you know, pal in the dunker spot or somebody else, you know, even we saw him be able to run a few pick and rolls with guys at times. Um, you know, he's just, his, his confidence just doesn't look there, but hopefully he can get right over the all-star break. I, I do have full confidence. I think we've seen enough from this season to believe in him in that aspect. Right. So, you know, that, that, obviously kind of hurt the Mavericks with Frank and Josh's, you know, point of attack defense, not being as good as it usually is on top of them. You know, we're not really providing much of anything offensively. Next up Dwight Powell, you know, he, he played 21 minutes. It was just a typical Dwight Powell game in this one, barring a end of shot clock, mid range jumper that he made props to him for that. But, you know, he played his role to a T Jokic is obviously a guy that he's not going to really hedge and play to the level of the screen near as much. You're going to see a lot more drop. And I don't know what it was, but I don't, you know, in games where Dwight Powell is having to go against an opposing center that plays drop, you know, if those guys drop fast enough, it it just, it kind of negates his purpose out there. And, you know, he's not, able to use his foot speed to get around a guy that's, you know, playing to the level of the screen or trying to play that sort of in-between game where, you know, he thinks he might be able to deflect the pass or stop the ball in or, or when, you know, he gets a switch or something like that, you know, the nuggets with Jokic out there and, you know, might I, you know, Jokic played 34 minutes tonight. It, it's just a different dynamic for a guy like Powell and you see the limitations of his game, you know, really come to the forefront. That's not to say he did bad. He did a really good job. Uh, cutting when necessary and, you know, staying in and revolving around the dunker spot and, you know, being the benefactor of a few assists from Luca in that aspect. And, you know, in route to going four for four, of course, that one mid-range jump shot I alluded to. He battled his ass off on the boards tonight. He had a, a team high 
10 rebounds for a Mavericks team that got out rebounded 43 to 31 tonight. And that's props to him because Jokic had a double double tonight. And I mean, obviously he was a high rebound man for the nuggets with 13, but it's still impressive that Dwight could do that in 21 minutes, you know, against a bigger front court like that, even without Aaron Gordon, they still have some size up there with Conchar and some other guys. So you know, props to Dwight, but he, he's just not moving the needle in terms of the also, you know, what you're conversely getting on the defensive end. He, he played Jokic. I thought about as well as, as Dwight could have, he obviously where the, there were some times where he just got bodied in the pick and roll and Jokic, sort of just looked like a tractor going to the basket with uh, Dwight Powell seemingly in his way. He was just plowing through him. And, you know, I, I thought Dwight in that first and second quarter did a really good job of coming over and, you know, setting up the the double with, to which another Maverick wing rotated from the weak side to double Jokic on a lot of, you know, the, some of those baseline actions that Jokic was getting the ball in. And the Mavericks were doing a good job stopping him from that aspect in the first half, like I alluded to. But once he, you know, Jokic is a sort of savant in the way he's able to dissect the defense. And once he got going doing that and was able to sort of pick apart who the Mavericks were doubling, you know, swing to the weak side corner and, you know, have that man cut on occasion, you know, the Mavericks were simply lost from there. But, you know, it was it was a valiant effort. And, and Dwight did a good job setting the stage there. You know, it, he obviously is not going to be able to, you know, deflect all those Jokic passes. That's, that's just a tall task for anybody as good as he is, you know, being able to pass over the top of guys. So, I mean, I thought Dwight played as good as he could, but he simply just, you know, wasn't d- defensively equipped or, you know, obviously doesn't have a jump shot to be able to negate some of, or mitigate for that matter, some of the, you know, adverse effects that were coming upon him tonight. Lastly, in the starting lineup, we got Reggie Bullock, and this is a guy that made a three tonight and really didn't do too much else. He was also getting beat at the point of attack. He guarded MPJ for stretches throughout this game and just couldn't stay with him either. He seemingly, whenever he was switched on to somebody, he was kind of getting beat. You know, there were a few good possessions where he was able to, he was able to stay with his guy off ball, but barring that, it was a pretty rough outing from Reggie. You would hope that he would be able to be a little more effective, knock in some more threes, just play some more stout defense. But this is the sort of trade-off we get with him. You know, he'll have a few of these games, and then he'll have a few games where he looks like the sort of purebred 3 and D wing that any team would love to have. But, you know, nonetheless, it wasn't just absolutely abysmal from him, but it, it was definitely the typical Reggie Bullock cardio game, you know, where it's like, eh defense and very eh shooting and you know he also had three turnovers tonight he had just some errant passes that were kind of weird tonight especially in some end of clock shock scenarios that he was kind of put in unfairly might I add that he sort of had to get rid of the ball and you know that just never sort of materialized to be anything good so I mean he played okay but all right I scratched that he did not play okay but he he was out there (laughs) he was out there guys Moving along to the bench, it was kind of interesting tonight. Had a few guys really show out and actually sort of uh, make their mark on the game, but it, it just wasn't significantly enough to mend any of the, the Maverick starters' woes who were playing heavier minutes in this one. We'll start with Jaden Hardy. He played 24 minutes tonight, went two for eight, two for four from the three-point line. He just had a rough go at it, as he has been. He's sort of hit this rookie wall where 
his decision making has been a little off kilter. He's he's been going to the basket and you know trying to go up when he probably shouldn't as well as making some errant plays in the pick and roll he only had one turnover tonight but you know there were just his shots just not hitting right now and he's hitting a little bit of a rookie wall on top of that he's also just um playing some pretty negligible defense at the other end whereas he was playing pretty good defense earlier on in the season particularly on ball and i mean he's, i still think he's doing okay on ball you're just starting to see some of those rookie mistakes add up in terms of him getting lost on rotations, him not closing out effectively, him gambling um, and getting beat on some backdoor cuts, things of that nature. He's got to get better at, but it's a learning process with him. Some games are going to be better than others. It is what it is. You know, I'm glad he's in the rotation because they need his ball handling to, to an extent because some games will be better than others. And he's just in a little bit of a wall right now. He could very well come back, have a very productive few games out of all-star break. Next up, Let's go ahead and get into Theo Pinson. This is a guy that saw 20 minutes tonight. Uh, I was kind of hoping that A.J. Lawson would have relegated Theo to the bench entirely in this one, but Jason Kidd, still after a few very mediocre games, decided to plug Theo back into that bench squad. Theo had a pretty rough go at it offensively tonight. He went over 2 from 3, went over 5 um, from field goals. I, I honestly don't remember any of the two-point shots he took. They were probably some sort of culmination of uh, maybe like one mid-range jump shot and a few uh, pick and rolls where he attacked their basket. And regardless though, I mean, he had like one good assist off a of Euro step. He's one thing I will say about Theo. I, I always kind of reference this guy as a utility guy. He's average at everything. Um, and, but not necessarily good at one thing. One thing I will say that he is actually fairly decent at, he does have a sort of decent driving kick game to him. He's a good ball mover. He does generate things from that standpoint. He's he's good at getting into the lane and dumping it off to the dunker spot and just kind of reading the defense. Wouldn't necessarily call him a playmaker, but he's a really good ball mover. So he did get four assists tonight. Outside of that, it, you know, he had, had some good defensive games. I, I mean, against the Kings, I wouldn't necessarily say maybe good actually, but he, he made a few noticeable plays that kind of stuck out uh, beyond the normal sort of negligible defense that he plays. But tonight, uh, you, you definitely saw it was just more of a tall order than it was previously against the Kings for whatever reason, and his point of attack defense was just pretty bad. And we, we saw him tonight really struggle on that side of the ball and concede some points to the Nuggets. So that, unfortunately, you know, was a sort of happenstance of this one, but Mavericks just didn't have a ton of guys to go to. Jason Kidd promised Justin Holiday that he would play in this one, but he obviously didn't. I don't necessarily know exactly why that was the case, but, you know, hopefully we see him coming out of the All-Star break. It's just kind of a, a weird sort of abomination in itself with all this stuff. But, you know, let, let's round out the rest of the bench, guys. McKinley Wright played 13 minutes in this game. A lot of those in garbage time, but I thought he was largely really effective. He made two threes tonight, uh, had a few layups. He, you know, he was running out in transition, was able to get the guy, the guys, um, the ball in, in their spots, of course. He was doing a good job swinging it to the corner a few times. Thought he played a good game, just really didn't play enough minutes to make an impact at large on this one. But he came in and provided some solid minutes, played some good point of attack defense when he was in there, despite, you know, that 5'11 frame. So he played well tonight, I thought. Christian Wood, this is a whole discussion in itself, you know, barring just the on-court product. 
there have been some narratives going around Twitter in terms of why this guy's not starting, things of that nature. I do think that the White Pal provides a little bit better defense, especially at the stage Christian Wood is at now where his defense is very saloon door-esque. I mean, he's getting bodied every which way, no matter who he is playing against. And seemingly any guard is able to finish against him. I, I don't know where exactly this came from. He was at least playing sort of competent defense before he got hurt, but that thumb fracture may have done a number on him. Right. And there are a lot of different kind of things to go with Christian Wood tonight, you know, barring the the bad defense and actually the pretty uber efficient shooting tonight, or at least it seemed he went six for 13, but he did help the Mavericks out at a pretty pivotal juncture in terms of draining a couple threes and being able to take advantage of some mismatches, shoot over the top of guys and uh, get a few buckets in the pick and roll. Once he actually got a little fourth quarter run with Luca, you know, barring, barring just the on-court product after Twitter, he, he liked a tweet that said something of the sort of Christian Wood has been a, you know, really high effort guy props to him for, you know, being able to deal and cope with the Dallas coaching staff, you know, not recognizing, you know, what this guy has done, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was something like that. You guys can go look up the exact tweet. I don't have the resourcefulness to do this at this brisk hour, but nonetheless, um, he, he liked that on Twitter. You have to question whether Christian Woods days in Dallas are numbered or not. And this has obviously been a question since before the trade deadline, just in, just from the standpoint of how they're using him. And what I keep coming back to is that it depends on Maxi Kleber. And I said as much on Twitter tonight, but because, you know, the whole gripe that this coaching staff seems to have with Christian Wood is obviously his defense because he's pretty damn good offensively and there's no negating that. And there have been spurts where he's better defensively than others, but obviously he's going through a really rough bout right now and who knows how long it's going to continue. His one sort of hallmark is his game is being able to guard wings and guards in space. You know, those threes and fours a little more effectively than some of those smaller guards that can kind of just blow past him. Even so, he's not necessarily elite at that, but he's he's competent doing that. And you want to see how his pairing with a rim protector would look. And when he played with Maxi earlier on the season, it looked really damn good. And Maxi's, you know, not even necessarily that tried and true rim protector that you would look for. He's more of a, you know, a weak side shot blocker a guy that can rotate over and, and make the right play, but he, he is better as a rim protector than anybody else on this Mavericks roster. I can guarantee you that much. And I mean, his, his inclusion with Christian Wood is paramount in my opinion to Christian Wood's future with this team. Cause if they see Maxi, they can be like, okay, what if we go get an actual rim protector and, you know, pair him with Christian Wood. If you know, that, that pairing gels really well. And, you know, you're not even, like I said, necessarily looking at a sort of like pure drop coverage, rim protecting big or a guy that can even, you know, do that to an absolute team. And Maxi Kleber, you're looking more like a switch defender and a weak side shot blocker, right? So if they can really excel in some of those lineups together, that would give that Mavericks front office that that sort of cue to maybe be like, okay, like let's rethink some things because right now it, it almost seems as if like they just didn't, they didn't seem like they had a return package on the horizon over the trade deadline that they were necessarily attuned to. And, Christian Wood was the sort of sacrificial lamb of that. And he ended up staying with the team and they were probably just going to take their chances with him. See how he played the rest of the season, just kind of operate from there. That's obviously sad to look at. And Christian Wood's a damn good player, but you know, Tim McMahon has said it many times. There's just a very, very slim margin in terms of, you know, not being able to play defense as a center and how that affects your stance on the market. So who knows exactly what happened there? I'm, 
kind of obviously just making, you know, estimated guesses on a lot of this stuff, but Christian Wood and Maxi Kleber's pairing is going to be really interesting as we go forward. And we'll be paramount to how he, I mean, I think his future in Dallas, like, you know, the only good sort of good defensive play he had tonight was a block off of a offensive rebound by Michael Porter Jr. That was fairly impressive, but barring that he was getting scored on kind of at will, but he did have a good offensive game. And when he did play with Luca, they gelled well in the pick and roll as they usually do. And he was able to furbish a little bit of his offense for himself tonight. Um, you know, shoot over the top of guys, things of that nature. So a solid game for him and the whole call for him to play more is really interesting for me, especially because, you know, a lot of fans would argue that, you know, Dwight's defense is um, okay at best. So what are you necessarily losing by adding just a, better offensive punch than Dwight and Christian Wood. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know where I'm at on that. I can kind of see both sides of the totem pole. You know, this team needs defense so badly that even if it's just marginally better, you would rather have Powell. But then again, like, how much does it actually matter? I kind of get both sides of it. But nonetheless, you know, Christian Wood starting is obviously idealistic just in terms of his caliber as a player on this team. It's a matter of if the Mavericks are going to be able to find a rim protector that can gel next to him. And if he can play in a system as a four on defense and, you know, maybe concede some of those rim running opportunities, some of those pick and roll opportunities to play on the wing a little bit more and have to attack from the perimeter on offense a little bit more. You know, if you have a more tried and true rim protector in the lineup and, you know, maybe have a little more three pointers in a shot diet that that's going to really constitute his standing with the Mavericks posts this summer. And it would suck to lose him for nothing. But at the end of the day, if they really just couldn't get anything worth taking back on the market, I guess, how much does it suck? So we'll, we'll see. But I, I thought he played good offensively and pretty bad defensively as he has these last few games as he's returned from injury. Let's see. I hope he can regain some of his defensive prowess to an extent as he comes back after the all-star break. But nonetheless, I don't know if he'll shift the narrative enough to really change things up. Because even then, he was like an okay defender um right before he got hurt so we'll see what all happens there but I thought he had a good offensive game and a bad defensive game regarding JaVale McGee tonight he came in supplemented for 10 minutes he was actually the first sub in the game I thought with Jokic they honestly might defer to him a little more over Wood tonight um he actually had a really good weak side help block on Jokic tonight he came in and filled a void I thought he played decent on offense he he ran ran he was able to you know, use his size to, I think, you know, he was the benefactor of a pass, I think, from Luca or might have been um, Josh or something for, a, you know, an easy one in the dunker spot, you know, after he kind of just sealed his guy. Also, you know, he just, he got to the free throw line one time. It's always interesting to see when JaVale gets the ball in the, at the high post at the end of the shot clock, and he just kind of wants to take matters into his own hands. You know, you're kind of operating with like 30, 70 odds at that point. But, he, you know, the good thing he is, he usually kind of gets fouled on possessions like that. He went one for two from the line tonight. He played solid. I honestly thought they could have used his interior, you know, his rim protection a little more or whatever's left of it because it, it obviously just varies on the game if JaVale is going to be this just big goofer out there that's unable to jump when – you know, at two seconds after an opponent shoots or every once in a while, he just taps into vintage JaVale where he can block anything inside. So, you know, it, it's fool's goal with this dude, but I don't know, man. I mean, I thought they could have used him a little more tonight, especially with the way, he, you know, his length was very um, inhibiting in terms of Jokic on some of those 
Uh, double teams of Irish were running. They could have maybe used that a little bit more. It's a little harder for Jokic to pass out of a double team, which avails sort of spearheading that thing. But things obviously just for whatever reason didn't come into fruition in terms of him getting more minutes tonight. And, you know, a common thing that you guys may be able to pick up on as I'm kind of sorting through these guys at the bench is, you know, why aren't they getting more minutes? Uh, that's what you should ask Jason Kidd because I simply don't have the answer to that. If it was my rotation, I would have done this a little bit differently. I don't think Jason Kidd's necessarily doing anything too out of characteristic here. I mean, he's working with a pretty limited rotation. We have to acknowledge that much, but there are some minor tweaks and stuff. I thought he could have done better in this game, you know, such as maybe playing Javel a little bit more, figuring out how to stagger Christian Woods games, uh, you know, just to include him a little more on the offensive end, as well as get AJ Lawson some more minutes over guys like Theo, who we'll be getting into now in a second, you know, or even getting Justin Holiday some minutes. But I do at least understand that because that's his first game, you know, having got here, it was just weird to make a promise to the media that he was going to get minutes today. That that just made no sense in its entirety to me but nonetheless AJ Lawson he got hurt in the third quarter so stay tuned for what's up with his you know update he sort of collided into the basket stanchion after kind of a scary collision at the rim but didn't look too serious he was able to walk it off but before that he went two for free two for three from the three-point line had a putback off a Miss Lucas step back I believe as well as a layup I can't exactly remember how I got it but I think it was you know, virtue, you know, a cut or a backdoor cut, something of that nature. But he played solid tonight, man. He, you saw the offensive versatility this guy provides, you know. He's a guy that – oh, no, I remember. he His uh, layup came in transition, um, and he was, you know, sort of spearheading that fast break. So, I mean, this is a guy that can he, – he gets on runs. He, he can attack off a closeout we saw in summer league. He can finish decent at the rim. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be, you know, fit that playmaking or third ball handling type role, but he can attack off a closeout very adequately. He can, you know, hit threes. He runs hard in transition. He's uber athletic. He probably finish over the top of guys some. On top of that, he has really good length on defense. He still needs to add some strength. You know, he he he's able to mirror guys on defense really well, but, you know, he's like 6'6", but I think he's still under like 200 pounds, and you can see it add up to him at points. You know, Bruce Brown, despite A.J. Lawson mirroring him, and playing good on ball defense was able to finish over the top, kind of just bodying him at the at the rim. But this guy's promising, man. And I, I really had a sort of call to action the last few days on Twitter in terms of maybe getting him in over Theo in some of these instances, especially once I saw the injury report for today. So I'm happy he he got some run because I mean he had some strength over the offseason. If he's a guy that sticks around and he maybe gets a little more minutes at the back half of the rotation the way he's playing right now, because I mean he is playing damn solid. I hope that this injury isn't anything serious and he's able to recoup um accordingly after all-star break but this is a guy that could help the Mavericks especially you know using that length in terms of being able to jump passing lanes and um you know with his on-ball defense even when, when it's not a guy that can necessarily body him this is an intriguing guy especially if they take forth you know the the agenda with him come this summer so we'll kind of have to see how things pan out but you know this is a two-way guy that I loved how he played over the Summer in our summer league, and he was kind of distraught, of course, when he ended up going to Timberwolves and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just a two-way guy. But he is only 22, man. He doesn't turn 23 till July 15th. Uh, I really do want to see this guy's inclusion more in a Mavericks uniform, see the sort of things he can do, because I, I don't know. I, I do just highly covet this guy as a sort of 3 and D prospect. I'm not putting all my stock into him. He is a two-way guy at the end of the day, so I'm not going to discount that. But 
he does have some promise there. I do think there's something to the effect of if he can add some, you know, muscle on him, like what, what could we be working with here? You know what I'm saying? Like this could be a pretty promising dude. Uh, you know, barring that, that kind of covers it from a Mavericks perspective. You know, a few guys I would really like to highlight from Denver. I kind of talked about Bruce Brown, but, you know, fellow Slovenian teammate to Luka Doncic, Vlatko Konchar. He had a really good attack off a closeout and a finish. He's a sneaky athletic sort of dude. Made, um, you know, he, he just does a really good job cutting and being a cog within that Nuggets offense. He he filled the Aaron Gordon role to a T. He's an underrated defender, too. He's a really solid role player, and I'm glad that Slovenia has a sort of running mate in the NBA that's actually getting consistent minutes now that Goron's starting to fade away because this guy, you know, he, he's a pretty competent rotational player, and he's really carved out a good role for himself within that Nuggets offense. The Mavericks were having a tough time starting, you know, stopping Michael Porter Jr., as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, you know, talking about multiple guys, bad point of attack defense on him, um, as just well as rotationally with the amount of off-ball movement that this guy does but he just had a really good shooting game he went five for ten from three when he gets going from three he's hard to stop and then you know you occasional attack off a closeout for a finish he's just one of the more streaky players in the league but when he's on he's on and there's not much you can do about it you know with his the apex of his shooting release being you know with that 610 frame he's just hard to stop when he gets going and that definitely put a knife in the Mavericks tonight but they they still could have very well survived if you know, they, they were able to stop some other things. Um, that being, you know, Jeff Green, who went off the bench, went 11 for 16 for the Nuggets tonight with 24 points, only two for five from three. He had nine field goals that were all twos, and seemingly all of them were a Maverick trying to mirror him off ball and him just doing a good job, you know, implementing those uh, misdirections, those V cuts, um, you know, running off some sort of, plunge actions and being able to get to the rim to where Jokic was able to spot spot him and he was the benefactor of a lot of Jokic passes tonight and the guy defending him most of the time was Luka Doncic now admittedly Luka tweaked his ankle at the end of the second quarter you know he's still sort of recovering from that whole heel contusion deal and we've seen a little drop off defensively Luka has still been doing a great job defending off ball but nonetheless you know he's not devoid of criticism despite how great he is he played pretty pretty bad off-ball defense tonight and with Jeff Green. The Mavericks as a whole in their team defense, they just did a really terrible job switching, you know, especially, you know, when some of these cuts, you know, you need to sort of, you know, consolidate and let guy, one guy take them. If, you know, a guy's making a beeline to the basket as fast as he can, the Mavericks just didn't do that. They didn't opt to play any zone, which, I mean, I can't really blame them with the shooting on that Nuggets roster, the way MPJ and Caldwell Pope were going. But, you know, Luca specifically, you would just like to see a little more effort there because Jeff Green was seemingly getting whatever he wanted. I mean, yes, he had a few transition buckets and some easy ones, but it, it was just a rough go at it from all guys uh, from a team, team defense perspective in terms of how the Mavericks fared tonight. Like I said, they just, you know, they weren't doing a good job scram switching when needed. They were letting Jokic kind of take advantage of mismatches that other guys had and as well as you know, just trying to stick a guy off ball too hard when they, they should have just switched it and things of that nature. That's kind of why Jeff Green scored 24 points tonight. And I think that that, you know, you can't prevent an MV or MPJ really good shooting night, even a Caldwell Pope one, I'll give him a pass on because 
He's a really good movement shooter, and the Mavericks were, you know, without their full complement of defenders out there. But, I mean, Jeff Green scoring 24 points at age 36 or 37 or whatever it is in only 26 minutes, I mean, that's just inexcusable from a team perspective. And, you know, even with Luka, he's got to take a little more pride in his defense and step up to the plate a little bit more because when, you know, when you start talking about things like that, that's just even effort-based at the end of the day. So, I don't know. That That's me going off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I would have just liked to see a little more, you know, supplementation from some of the Mavericks role players as well as Luca, in terms of their ability to switch off ball and defend some of the cuts the Nuggets were making tonight. That being said, there weren't really a whole lot of other guys that uh, con- contributed to the Nuggets effort tonight. Christian Braun, you know, he's an intriguing sort of 3 and D dude. You know, he had a 3 in transition. He's a guy who has a little bit of a shot creation aspect to him as well. He thought he played well and limited, you know, he put 27 minutes tonight, but he, he's just a really solid role player. I, I like him more and more every time I see the Nuggets. You know, he's a first-round pick, of course, for them last year. I think at, like, pick 19. Ish Smith, you know, despite his age, he's timeless, man. He still has such a quick first step and crossover. He got things going off the, in the second unit for them. Uh, the Mavericks kind of had a tough time staying with him. He was able to make a few mid-range jump shots, but I will say as much that they did do a good job limiting him from getting to the rim. They were forcing him to stick in that mid-range, which – You'd rather have that that than him just blow past you. Uh, barring that, Thomas Bryant had a few good, um, you know, backup rotational minutes. He was just recently acquired from the Lakers. He made his presence known inside a few times, but it was not so obstructive that I'm going to indict the Mavericks centers upon it. You know, he just got a few rebounds, got a few putbacks, and played solid. You know, that that that's kind of the story of the game, though. I mean, in terms of how everybody played tonight, the Mavericks simply just didn't have the defensive versatility. I, I mean, you can argue personnel-wise, but there were even some effort-based things that they probably could have controlled tonight to swing things in their direction a little bit more, but they they simply didn't. And, you know, going into the All-Star break, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, while it is a sour taste, I, I wouldn't say it's so much that it's somber. I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter already kind of jump the gun that the Mavericks are, you know, screwed and that they're, you know, this last 0-3 stretch is, you know, oh, Luca's leaving, Luca and Kyrie's not going to work. I mean, there's just been some, like, outlandish stuff happening over on the bird. But I, I would probably sort of dwell on the fact that, you know, Kyrie and a lot of the Mavericks role players didn't play this, this game. Jason Kidd is very suspect with the rotations right now, and he needs to be called out upon it, and we need to keep applying criticism until he changes it. But he does have a track record after a criticism is applied enough of changing it, so hopefully that has to happen. You know, obviously, if this, you know, he did a good job last year in the playoffs, but if the, these rotation issues affect us during playoffs, then, you know, maybe there's this discussion about his job security come the summer. Who knows? But, you know, obviously, that's going to be something the Mavericks are going to have to figure out. Maybe getting another defender on the buyout market, whether it be a wing or a big, we'll see how that sort of comes into fruition. I know there's some rumblings. Obviously, Marcus Aldridge is going to be coming in and working out for the Mavericks. You know, that's not necessarily, I guess, at this stage in his career, you know, the guy that you would label defender more uh, besides really his ability to play drop coverage and, you know, be a solid presence back there. Um, you know, you can kind of sort of be a pseudo rim protector uh, during spurts of the game, but besides that, he's not switching on to anybody or playing the pick and roll good because of his um, lateral quickness and things of that nature. So, I mean, maybe that's the direction they look, maybe they look at some other guys. That's what I would probably prefer that they do. And, you know, but also once they get Justin holiday implemented, you know, Markeith Morris is supposed to return, after the all-star break he's apparently kind of just getting back into playing shape after 
being seemingly out of the Nets rotation for so long. There's some different nooks and crannies the Mavericks can do to kind of improve marginally. And at the end of the day, it's just going to come, you know, if they can get to the middle of the package defensively, because I just don't know if they have the talent to get really higher than that. I mean, I, I would be welcome if they proved me wrong, but they just simply don't have the personnel, especially with Dorian gone, you know, unless Josh or Maxi really just ascends to another level. But if, if they can get to like middle of the pack defensively and Luca and Kyrie are clicking on all cylinders and the rest of the guys are clicking, they could go on a little run here. And who knows where that roster could take them come playoffs if Luca and Kyrie are, are hitting. But, you know, we do have to acknowledge that this team, in terms of being a tried and true contender, uh, just from the namesake and how the roster is built, is definitely a rim protector and probably another wing defender away. But that that's not to say that, you know, the offense couldn't supplement to such a degree that, they're just not able to be a contender that we just can't label them. One is that they definitely have not earned their right at 31 and 29. I believe the Mavericks are, I know they're in the play play in territory after tonight. Let me check the standings to see exactly where they are. They're seventh now. Uh, Cause the nugget, uh, the Timberwolves have the tiebreaker with them. So they're in the sixth seed, but I mean, nonetheless, it, it's just going to be really a matter of if this defense can get to at least a sort of mediocre enough level for the offense to just override things completely to see how much the Mavericks, you know, are able to do this year. We're going to go more in depth into it. We have a podcast coming out tomorrow kind of regarding the Mavericks ceiling and, you know, the dip, different nooks and crannies. We'll go more in depth into the whole, you know, oh, if AJ Lawson played more, if Justin Holiday, if, you know, Marquise Morris, like all that sort of stuff, we'll get really intricate with it um, in terms of the defensive side of things and looking what the Mavericks – ceiling is going to be but you know I, I did just kind of want to mention it as the vibe going into this all-star break the Mavericks play a game a week from today now that's Thursday they play the San Antonio Spurs at 7 30 obviously Luca and Kyrie are going to be representing the Mavericks at all-star weekend presumably Kyrie is going to play in the all-star game for Jason Kidd um, you know unless that back stiffness affects him beyond that but I think he'll be there it'll be cool to see two Mavericks in the all-star game I'm sure we'll get some cool moments we'll, we may have a little, you know, just a tiny little podcast thrown out there for you guys to sort of cover that sort of stuff because that's really intriguing. But nonetheless, you know, the Mavericks got a stretch, a six-game home stretch coming out of the All-Star break. They got to right the ship. This is where the run comes. Let's see what this team's made of because this is the biggest turning point in the season, and obviously it's a sour taste going into the break, but I don't necessarily think all hope is lost when you got number 77 and number two in the backcourt as well as a defense that while it's pretty bad could, if they could at least propel themselves to mediocrity, you know, who, who knows where this team can really kind of sort of take lead from there. Cause they got some intriguing guys at the end of the bench that, you know, if, if they play above their means, they could, the Mavericks, it could end up panning out well for the Mavericks, but they, they do kind of need some, um, an, uh, an uptake from some guys that they wouldn't expect to really go far this season, but we'll get more into it, you know, regardless I didn't just focus on this Mavericks team winning. They made an all-in move with Kyrie. So we need to, you know, treat them as if they are a contender, even if they're not. And we need to treat every game essentially as if um, it's make or break because, you know, we're only 22 games away from the regular season being over. Only 22 guys. Um, we are, I believe, uh, yeah, we're about three-fourths of the season done, roughly, give or take. So, you know, this is – this is the stretch right here. And I, I really hope they things start to come into fruition because, you know, if, if we get in the play in territory, who knows where the discussion this off season goes, man. But I, I think the Mavericks, you know, if I'm being a sort of pseudo optimist here, I, I do think that 
They do out, they go out and do something else in the buyout market. They furbish up the defense a little bit and they are able to make a little bit of a run, get into that, um, you know, five, four through six territory as we head to a close in this regular season. You know, the West is so densely packed. They're only two and a half games out of the third spot. So we'll see what happens, man. I, I don't know how things are going to fare out for the rest of the rest of the year. This is the biggest mystery box on any year that we've ever had. So I couldn't tell you guys, this is the craziest year to have been a Mavericks fan, of course, with the whole Kyrie thing, you know, barring the championship and everything. And, but, but it's been really fun, man. And we look forward to keep going with you guys. We're almost at a hundred podcasts after this podcast will be two podcasts away. We're really excited to keep growing with you guys. And we appreciate you guys for having listened this far on the podcast uh, it really means a lot to us. I enjoyed this one. I can't wait to be back tomorrow. We had a couple podcasts coming out uh, both Thursday and Friday for you guys. Just some, you know, big picture, stay of the team stuff. Then a little fun one for you guys on Friday. Uh, then we'll take a little break, you know, after Friday and Saturday. May do a pod that Sunday night. Just a little one over Kyrie and Luca in the All-Star game, depending on that how it goes. But we'll keep you posted. Make sure you guys are following the Twitter for all things, you know, updates, all the, my thoughts on everything. Some you know, I tend to get, be a little more specific and hone in on uh, some specific things that I necessarily may not get to on the podcast over there. So that's going to be at mainstream underscore Mavs on Twitter for you guys over there. Uh, make sure if you guys are listening on an Apple, Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever listening platform you are on, make sure to like us and give us a five-star rating or subscribe or follow whatever the sort of button is over there. Download us. Make sure that we are in your sort of plethora of podcasts your mainstream podcast that you're listening to get it. Cause we're mainstream mouse. Ha 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 ha. Uh, I'm sorry guys. It's getting really late at night today. Um, but nonetheless, uh, make sure that you guys go ahead and do that. We're on almost any podcast platform. So we would really appreciate if you do enjoy us to go ahead and do that as well. If you are with the YouTube game, make sure to subscribe. If you haven't already give this video a like and comment down below. What is your excited level rating for Luca and Kyrie in the all-star game? What sort of moment do you think they're going to have together if they have any? Because we're obviously going to get the all-star game drafts on the day of the all-star game, a little bit different than years previous. So it's going to be intriguing to see if they get selected to whatever team. And I'm sure all the narratives will start spinning up if, you know, they both get drafted to LeBron's team or something of that nature. So comment what, you know, you're exactly excited for, for, them over all-star weekend or just all-star weekend general whether it's you know one of the guys in the dunk contest three-point contest rising star challenge just let us know if you guys are on youtube that would help us a lot if you comment like and subscribe but nonetheless we will catch you guys tomorrow you know going over that podcast as i mentioned with me and jaren will be back for that one kind of going over the maverick ceiling uh looking at some big picture stuff sort of getting really intricate into the sort of markers and things that they would need to do to be, you know, be a contender. And then also looking at their floor and just the defensive standing of the team. What we're going to be talking a lot about defense tomorrow. So you guys be prepared, but nonetheless, I will catch you guys in the list one in the next one. Thank you for listening this far in the podcast mainstream Mavs and will signing out.